and welcome to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzam.com. And sponsored by our friends at Positive Medium. I'm Anne. And I'm Ashley. <laughs> and I'm in a new setup, so sorry about the echo. <laughs> think it's going to be okay, but we'll I see. I just can't do the closet anymore, especially with the baby who's feeding right now. <laughs> so I think it's more important for you to be able to do your, your humanly duty. <laughs> I mean, I'm like in a nice room right now and I have a window and it's so much, such a better setup that I'm like at a desk, like it's so much better. Ever since I set up my desk and I realized you're, you were in that closet and I'm like looking out a window at a forest, <laughs> literally yeah. a forest where literally 10 minutes ago, there were two deer just resting on my oh front yard. Oh my gosh. Cool. I, it was so cool. And Nova one of the cats was sitting on the kitchen table just staring oh. like intently like what am I seeing Amazing. it was so cool and then I like I looked and was taking pictures and I started to open the door and they ran off I was like oh, oh. of course but oh, they were fun. laying down which it's wow. rare to see them laying down because that because deer are so like on edge yeah like jittery yeah yes oh so anyway comfortable in your space <laughs> I mean not, not when the human arrives but it's yeah. quiet enough on my street that sometimes that happens so oh Main this, life. <laughs> I know. This is the first time this season that I've seen the deer. Like, wow. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> so I feel like I got a little lucky charm. And yeah. Let's talk about our deer, Drew. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> All right. So it looks like we didn't really have any follow ups from the previous week, probably because we haven't had a real episode in a bit. Yeah. And we've been providing the follow-ups from our mad love one that was our last real episode right no just kidding we didn't like review one yeah and that one um has a lot of listens so thanks you guys yeah i love when people actually respond to the topics that we put out like it makes me so happy <laughs> and many times in this episode we're going to be calling out previous episodes so it's yeah. kind of cool to be able to see how much we've covered I know. I like it. We're going to continue doing that, hopefully, until every single topic in Drew's life has been covered. <laughs> <laughs> Mila asked me, she's like, how many episodes are you guys going to do? I was like, I don't know. There's no limit. She's like, well, eventually you'll have to stop. I was like, why? She's like, well, eventually you're going to die. <laughs> <It's> like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that is that. You know what? She's just telling it like it is. I know. 13 year old. I've had people ask me that too. Like, how many do you think you'll do? How many do you have like a list of topics? I'm like, we, we like think of new topics that are parts of bigger topics all of the all time. The time. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Guy's the limit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And if Drew's the limit, then it's never ending. <laughs> okay. So did we get any fun mail this week? <laughs> You've got mail. Uh, we had a comment that I liked. This comes from at Miss Hairspray underscore on Instagram. And Miss Hairspray says, I love this account, Jerseyum. So this is on our Jerseyum Instagram. Yeah. Thank you so much for posting the photos. So much joy every time you post something. Oh, so thank you. Thank you, Miss Hairspray. You know what? Definitely encourages us to keep sharing stuff. Yes. And <laughs> Ashley does such a beautiful job at like oh. choosing and curating things for that page. So this is very meaningful for those of us that love, love what Ashley does. So yeah. And I love that you use the word curate. Yes. It's curated. You're, you're the curator of the Drusium. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, you're the archivist. of Yes, the I sure am. Yes. I'm just in the background. And then I'm on this podcast. Yeah, hello. <laughs> hello. Okay. So what did Drew say she loved this week? I love love. 
this is a fun one. There's a lot of like long ones this week instead of just like short little items. I okay. love this. Okay. And this time I didn't preview it at all and I haven't like watched it at the oh, So this is like coming to me fresh. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so let's hear them. So Drew loves getting people's recommendations on things. Me too. Yeah. Cats, Aww, which we know, yes. but I like had to include yeah. it. <laughs> A pecan or a walnut as a meat substitute. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, a deep clean. Yeah. And this is a direct quote. Well, they all are, but a crop on a man. And she means a crop top. <laughs> really? Yes, really. <laughs> That's deplorable. The only person that comes to mind is Jonathan Van Ness. Oh my God. Wait, he... yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> For like. For some reason I was thinking Jonathan Van Meter. <laughs> we interviewed and I was like I don't remember seeing him in a crop top yeah that makes way more sense (laughs) okay anyway okay what else Drew also loves fun facts about people Mm -hmm. onions on her bagel yum does she mean like I don't know like literal like (laughs) onions yeah I'm thinking of like an onion bagel or does she mean like a red onion raw or does she mean like grilled onions (laughs) okay continue Tear sheets from a magazine, okay. which is fun. That's like and life. then having a boss. Oh, <laughs> does she actually have a boss? Apparently. <laughs> she doesn't want to be a boss, though. She just likes having a boss. Well, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. In a way. Okay, so I see that we've got a Druism of the Week for this week, but I just want to say we've got like a minimum of four, maybe more Druisms in this amazing article that we'll be covering this week, which we'll get into later. But what do you got for this week? Oh, someone's picking up, you know, those cool little isms that we do. (laughs) Okay. So this week's is, I am like an everything bagel who goes to sleep in my juices. And then in the morning, my aura ring won't fit. (laughs) (laughs) All of it. All of it. I know. Sleep in my juices. What are you talking about? Okay. Well, I guess there's context. Sleep with context. That someone was making a casserole on the show with like bagels that were soaked in something. Okay. And so that's sort of what she was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That's really great. It's so perfect. Even though I didn't hear her say it, I can hear her saying it. Yeah, you totally can. (laughs) Okay. So what do we have for this week in Drew History? Uh, So the funny one about this week in Drew history, I picked March 20th because there were two uh, sort of big things that happened on that date in different years, and we've covered both of them. Oh. Yeah. So in uh, March 20th, 1994 was the date that she married Jeremy Thomas. Okay. And if you guys want to know about that whole wedding, you can go listen to our episode 26 that covers all of her weddings. Mm -hmm. And then same date, March 20th in 1999 is when she hosted SNL, which we have a wonderful episode about number 23. That's so cool. I know. I want you guys all to know one of the coolest things about how we're able to like search these, these dates is we, we've kind of talked about this incredible archive we have, but because of the way we formatted the dates consistently, Ashley can do like a search of a date. Yeah, it takes like two seconds in uh, our drive. It's so amazing. Like, <laughs> that's great. how we can like track these things in Drew's life. Yeah, I don't just have those in my head. No, but it's also like incredible because if we didn't have it formatted that way, you'd have to like actually try to research. Like, I know that happened around March 1994. True. And then you'd have to like go and look at the thing anyway. Yeah. 
But this, the strength of you finding these two things being the same day, five years apart is so weird. So weird that we never knew that. (laughs) And also that it feels like at least 10 years apart. Oh yeah, totally. So weird. Okay. So yeah, that's really fun. Like, like Ashley said, we've said lots about these in episode 26 and 23. So go back and listen to that. Enjoy. Yes. And then um, what's new with Drew this week? It looks like we've got quite a few topics. Holy cow. We sure do. They're going to (laughs) be fast though. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if you saw this, but she's hosting or hosted a special on this new show that's called Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. Yeah. I saw like a teaser or something. Okay. Yeah. There's like a behind the scenes kind of 20 or 30 minute show. Andrew hosts it. It's really cute. She's wearing like a pink ladies jacket and a Aww. pink headband. Um, I only watched the very beginning of it and then I got busy. So that's <laughs> so I fun. Think, I think it's on YouTube. So I'll uh, look for a link, check the episode page for that. Very cool. I would love to see that. Um, she also attended at least the after party for SNL the week that Molly Shannon hosted, which makes sense as their friends. Yeah. I would imagine she went to the actual taping, but I don't know. All we know is she was at the after party. And uh, cast member Bowen Yang, I happened to come across that he has a podcast where he talked about running into Drew at the, um, I know. So he said he was talking to Lauren Michaels and that Drew came over to tell Lauren how much she appreciated being invited and how this was like the first time she'd had a night out in forever. And uh, Bowen was saying that he was just like totally starstruck and couldn't believe he was there. I love that. I I love that. That's so cool. I'm glad you found that. Yeah, it was total random. That's so cool. This is another quick thing, but this is like a personal vindication for me. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, like there's always been the thing that Drew auditioned for Annie. Okay. And a lot of places I remember made it sound like she auditioned for the role of Annie, which I always thought made zero sense because it came out the same year as E.T. So she's like way too young for that part. And she's not a singer, right? Yeah. And she mentioned on the show this week that she did audition for the movie, but not for the role of Annie. It was for one of the other orphans. And I think it was probably, I don't know how familiar you are with Annie, but a little bit. There's the like the youngest orphan is named Molly, and she's a real kind of like sassy scene stealer. So ah, I'm like, so it could be like that's that. totally the part it was. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so cool to yeah. have that confirmed. I know. I was just like, yes, finally. I always knew it. <laughs> and I love that she talked about it. That's cool. Yep. I'm glad you pulled that little fact out. Yeah. And then this next thing, I wish I'd had a chance to watch it, but. Yeah. Um, so Brooke Shields was on the show, the Drew Barrymore show. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was there to promote her documentary, which is called Pretty Baby. Mm-hmm. And thanks to our friends, Katie and Anita, we found out that Drew appears in the doc. We didn't yep. know that. They didn't mention it. On yeah, the I was going to say, you would have known it if they said it on the show. So like, Yeah. I've watched the first half, which it was, it's really good and really dark and really mm-hmm. upsetting but um drew is kind of there as brooke's friend but also as someone who grew up as a child star was you know without saying in, in as many words was put in like kind of sexualized situations when mm-hmm. she was way too young um yep. for the sake of movies or whatever yep so um it's really cute she's like cross-legged barefoot you can see her moon tattoo I really, yeah, I really like it. But anyway, um, also Brooke was on the show and they got into some really interesting topics. So you haven't watched them yet. I've watched little clips of them. Okay. So I kind of know the like weight of the topics they're talking about, but I think I need to really sit down and watch the whole thing. Definitely do. They talk about Drew asks Brooke, like how she felt 
about the Me Too movement and if she felt like she could speak to it because Drew. I saw that clip. Yeah. And I was so, like, oh, this is so interesting. I know. And it makes what she said made a lot of sense because I remember when it was all going on, she was sort of like, oh no, I've no, no one's ever messed with me. Like I have nothing to say about it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't believe yeah. that for a second, which, you know, she doesn't owe anybody any information about that, but no. it was kind of nice to hear her say like, she actually was just very confused about it because she never really understood like what was appropriate and what wasn't. Yeah. And they both and, sort of say like, this is what we knew. So how would we know it was not right. okay? Yeah. So that was pretty like, Oh, upsetting but yeah. also I'm glad that maybe Drew is sort of coming to terms like we've talked on a lot of our episodes about yeah. how looking back we're like we're like she this. was 17 yeah. she's 15 she's, yeah. yeah I think it's it is really good to hear Drew talk openly about this and it's yeah. not because she is trying to shame herself or feel a regret or you know any of those things she's just kind of like I didn't this was not something that was seen as wrong and the same goes with all of the things that anyone in Hollywood has done or has been subjected to yeah. <laughs> since like the beginning of time and how things were accepted. And mm -hmm. so it's just like, it's not acceptable, never was acceptable, but it's definitely not acceptable now. You know, it's like, unfortunately, that was not a message that was sent. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's wild. But it's um, totally wild. So I'm so glad they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was interesting is them talking about their moms. I mean, Brooke's story is pretty similar to Drew's. She also started in a commercial at 11 months old, which is wild. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. But um, she also has like a super manager mom. Drew said that uh, Brooke's mom was kind of like the the goal. Like, you know, uh, that was sort of the inspiration for Jade to uh, be a manager of Drew. Okay. And then, you know, they were talking about the fact that their moms like didn't really date anybody. And Brooke said that her mom was just in love with her and didn't have any interest in anybody else. And wow. then Drew said that her mom basically would date her boyfriends, Drew's boyfriends to <laughs> as her way of like loving Drew. I know. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> what? And I mean, it is mentioned in Little Girl Lost. There's a whole part towards the end where Drew's like seeing some guy who's certainly way too old for her. Yeah. And Jade starts like hanging out with him and dating him herself. It's just wild. So strange. <laughs> wow. So this sounds like a really interesting interview and documentary. Mm hmm. Yeah. All everybody should, should check it out. Check them out. Yep. Very cool. <sighs> cool. So what else? Also, Time Magazine has named Drew as one of the 100 most influential people of 2023. Woohoo! I know. I'm trying to decide if she ever made that list before. I feel like maybe. I don't. I'm trying to think. So the, the list that I feel like I remember her making was about like, like it might have also been Time, like maybe but like the highest paid Oh, kind like of thing. Forbes, maybe. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, was it like 1999 or something? I yeah, feel that's like she the was kind on. of the era I would imagine her yeah. being on a list like this the write-up it's short but it's done by jimmy fallon and it's really sweet so yeah it was really sweet i <laughs> love link to that yeah i loved how sweet that was i was wishing that she'd be one of the cover faces but i know that would have been cool but it's a hundred people so i guess i just have to pick four <laughs> in this <Fine>. case <laughs> i guess um but i wonder i'm assuming it'll be printed 
There'll be some kind of little blurb printed, right? Yeah, probably. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Um, (laughs) This other one you asked me if it'd be printed and I don't think it would be, but there was a short little LA Times article basically calling Drew like the millennial Oprah because (laughs) she's like really having these amazing interviews on her show lately and connecting with people and being so empathetic. And now there's a whole thing going around of like memes about how close she gets to her guests, which (laughs) is hilarious. (laughs) I think it's a huge compliment, obviously, to call Drew the millennial Oprah. I wonder if she's like, has she responded to that at all? Like, oh my God, like huge compliment. Uh, I don't think so, but I bet you she will. Oh, so I yeah. bet they'll talk about it on the show. But that's that's really cool. I love that she's being seen that way and that LA Times printed that. I mean, they've been giving her a lot of praise lately. Yeah. And then the last thing <laughs> just came out today. Yeah. There's a great little MTV video on their Instagram and it's to promote the movie and TV awards. Yep. But um, they did 20 questions with her and it's great. It's like five minutes long and they get into all kinds of fun little things. Um, The main thing I liked was they asked if she wish she'd ever kept a prop from a movie which yep. is funny that that keeps coming up yeah totally <laughs> I'm like we have some <laughs> um but I loved what she chose she said she <laughs> wished she had kept Dylan's motocross wig from uh Charlie's Angels full throttle which is like a super mullet bang yes <laughs> she wants that wig I always loved her look in that super brief scene oh of that my God. movie she's just like a little badass yeah totally <laughs> I forget what she has written on her arm do you remember? Mm, I don't think there's anything written on her arm in that scene, but she definitely has a star on her face, which okay, was okay. also like such a thing she was doing at that time. Yes, totally. <laughs> and I copied. <laughs> yes. All right. Are we ready for this big topic? Let's get into it. All right, biggie. Yes. So we have done a few issues of magazines in the past, and this was another big one that we'd kind of been like tiptoeing around and then (laughs) well it's always been one of my favorites for photos yes and so like you know I was like well I know I love the photos but I hadn't revisited the article in forever and I just like had no memory I was like is it just like a short little article well (laughs) yeah well 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 as we were just talking about off mic when you drop all the text into a document no big deal just 17 pages at 11 point font I mean, the the interviewer spent months working on this, months with Drew. So this is like a huge article, and I don't know why we've both forgotten that. But yep. what a great one to to look back on and uh, go through. So yes. hopefully you guys are getting your memories refreshed too. Yes, and uh, I don't think we've said what it is. Oh yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling an issue of Rolling Stone on which Drew is on the cover from November twenty third, two thousand. I think it's. Is it her, like, only full Rolling Stone cover? You mean 1995's doesn't count? (laughs) No, it doesn't count at all. Okay, so 1995 and 2000, are those those the only times that she was on the cover? I believe so. Am I forgetting any other ones? No, Um, I think that's it. How did I just blank on 1995 for a second? That's hilarious. Because you don't like that one very much. Uh, (laughs) No, definitely not. Not at all. Um, But what's cool to say about, you know, 1995 and 2000, both Mark Seliger. Of course, our man. Our man, Mark Seliger, that we know how to say his name. Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, 
And just so you know, if you have not listened to our 2000 year in review episode, episode 19, we do cover this briefly as well as the rest of the year. So if you're interested in, you know, hearing our voices go on and on about this and any other things that happened that year. Yeah, it kind of puts the context um, of what was going on. So it's kind of fun. Yes. Question before we get into the photos. Do you yes. remember getting this magazine? Um, not specifically, but I believe I was a subscriber to Rolling oh. Stone at this time. And I could I could check and see if one of my copies has my label Your on mailing it. Because yeah. I would have kept it if it had mine on there. Um I don't really but like remember specifically, but I do have really nostalgic feelings for these pictures because I was actively a fan, you know? Yeah. Totally. Um, do you remember? Uh, yeah, it, vaguely. So I was definitely in college. And what I recall is like somebody got it for me. So I have a like weird memory of walking into my dorm room and it like sitting on the floor or something. <laughs> but I don't know if that's accurate or, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely got it when I was like living in the dorm. So, oh, that's cool. And I mean, I just love these photos. These are really special. These are like, I love, I guess what I love about a lot of Mark's work in the early days with Drew is like, he had these fun, like concepts a lot mm -hmm. back then or like themes or whatever. It was never just like, you know, okay, you're standing behind the, in front of this white backdrop and totally glamorous photo of you. But in kind of a, I was going to compare it a little bit to David LaChapelle, except David LaChapelle's were like surreal. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Mark's actually feel like they're really a place and a thing. Like, yeah. I mean, of course, Rolling Stone 95, there's like several different setups, but this has, we'll get into the pictures a little bit more, but it has like a theme that carries throughout and like- I know, and I love that. It definitely feels- She's playing a of, character. Yeah, like almost gives me like old timey Western, but like not cowgirlish, but- Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so we did mention that Mark took the photos. Um, what's kind of cool is that the issue says what city they were taken in, which is Montecito, where Drew had a house. That's so interesting. I wonder why they did yeah. it there. I would it's, love to know more about that. I know, and I wonder like what this location was because it looks like it was an old yeah, house. Totally. What if we found out it's the house she later bought? Oh my God. <laughs> If the house she bought looked like this, I'd be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the pictures were taken on July 18th, 2000. And we usually don't really know when pictures were taken. You know, we're always trying to kind of guess. So I was wondering if the photo shoot was all on the same day and you would notice that her hair looks the same, which is true. Yeah, but no telling. I mean, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then you also made one more note about the date, which is interesting. Yeah, well, I was like, oh, well, what was she doing around that date? Like, that's fun that we know the exact date. Yeah. So two days later, she attended the premiere of the movie Loser with Tom. And I remember when we talked about this in our 2000 episode, we talked about how her eyebrows were like really light and kind of weird at that premiere. That's right. I don't know if it's related to this or not, because her eyebrows are definitely not that light, but yeah. I don't know. I was just like, oh, that'd be interesting if that had something to do with it. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, and speaking of her eyebrows, well, speaking of hair, <laughs> her hair for the photo shoot was done by someone named Sally Hirschberger. She's like very, very famously in hair. So awesome. No, we're never going to be able to get in touch with her to ask Aww. her about this. <laughs> 
but maybe maybe one day we can get in touch with the makeup artist so this is tried and true jillian dempsey back to do amazing work on drew again i yep. would god she's done so much with her i would really love to chat with her yeah it'd be so much fun um wardrobe styling was done by nina and claire for rex and now we're gonna jump into the photos because they're so much fun and we're just gonna gush 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 well i love that it just like mark's photos for us 1997 mm -hmm. they wrote like portfolio by and it really does oh. feel like a portfolio because there's so many photos you, yeah. you noted that there were 11 yes so cool yeah, if you count the cover, there are 11 photos printed, which love. Yes, give us more. <laughs> I feel like this is like a really lovely arrangement. Like even just looking at the layout of the magazine. Oh yeah, because they're like, they're kind of decorated in a fun way. <laughs> yes, like they all have, one, one note I made later is that, that a lot of the borders have like, it looks like the um, casing of like an ambrotype or daguerreotype. They're like those like metal kind of framed, cases that usually would have like a cover yeah a lot of them have these like borders around them that look like something from the 1800s like in a really cool way yeah i mean there's even that one tiny one of drew in one side tom and the other and it looks like a little locket <laughs> yeah it's, it's really neat i love what they did with this whole thing so we kind of have hinted at it a little bit but it has the whole shoot has like this vintage boudoir style and there's some nudity in the pictures, but none of them feel like overtly sexy. Wouldn't you agree? Um, there's a couple I would say are pretty, like, I don't think she'd pose like this anymore. That's true. But she I guess I mean. address it in the article, so we'll get into that. Okay. Yes, you can see her whole body, but there's something about it that's like, these are pictures that are like artistically taken yeah. photographs versus totally. like you wouldn't see these in playboy you know yeah okay i totally agree with that your message is coming through okay. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um and she's wearing like vintage looking lingerie or at least undergarments in a lot of them which is really neat i know i love them they're so cute <laughs> yes absolutely i had never or at least I first didn't remember. She has black nails in all of these, which is really fun. And like, I did not notice. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the one that I feel like it's the most prominent in is one of the last pictures. So I was like kind of looking at them like not really that closely. I don't have the magazine in front of me, unfortunately. Do you think you noticed it just because you were like looking closely at details? It was because I was looking for details to see if the cover kind of matched the rest of the photos ah, like the same day. <laughs> good thinking. Can you see the black nails on the cover? Yep. You okay, can. cool. Yep. So I, I can't really see it in my little preview version. <laughs> you also noted that she's wearing her engagement ring from Tom, which yep. I had forgotten that, but makes a lot of sense because that's um, kind of part of the story. Yeah, we'll get into that in the article as well. Yep. And then you get to see so many of her tattoos in these photos, which we love. Yes. We love a tattoo peak. So, I mean, you've got her her ones on the front, her ones on the back, her cross. Like, you can see most of the ones she had at that time. That's a good point. Now she has so many more. <laughs> it's wild. It is kind of crazy to think because I still kind of forget how many she's, like, kind of added onto her arms in the last yep. few years. <laughs> Speaking of her tattoos, there was something that, like, she showed her leg on an episode of the show. Oh, I think really I saw recently. That. Yeah, yeah, it was it was posted on the Instagram. It was with um, 
Catherine, Catherine Hahn. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. It's so neat to like see I her know. tattoo. And I was just thinking about. I got excited too. I was thinking about like, oh, there's probably lots of people that don't know it's there. Like I just yeah. had this moment where I was like, is that going to be a surprise to like anybody? I'm like, totally. You know, she's like, always wearing long pants now. That's yeah, so funny. Totally. <laughs> well, no pants in this first photo. Is <laughs> that for a segue? <laughs> Perfect. So, so we're talking about the cover first or do we want to jump into just oh, that yeah, one in the shoot? <laughs> I mean, I got so excited. Technically, there's no pants in any of them because she's wearing like underwear. That's true. Um, okay, good point. <laughs> sorry to mess up your segment because I love that so much. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's such a gorgeous cover. I know. Why is it so pretty? Like the colors, not colors I normally would think I would like, this kind of orangey. Yeah. But uh, it just totally works for the vibe of what they were going for. She's like peeking through beaded curtains. Yes. Just gorgeous. And then you you get the great shot of her butterfly tattoo. Right on the cover. Like so cool. And she's just wearing like these sort of simple but vintage looking like underwear I would say but it's like pantaloon shorts (laughs) pantaloons with a little frill at the bottom yeah it's so gorgeous I think what what I really one of the things I love about the coloring is obviously it's like bringing out her red hair because at this point she had this gorgeous red hair for playing Dylan I guess is why she dyed it red right Yeah. yeah so it's so gorgeous one thing I don't know if it's worth mentioning is the similarity of the crop to like Britney Spears was on Rolling Stone in 1999 and if you look at like the crop of the head and the legs it looks very (laughs) similar even like where her head is in the title of Rolling Stone is identical it's pretty funny funny good observation and I think I because I was a subscriber at the time so I remember this Britney Spears cover so well I've never like been a huge fan of her I'm like of course like in the last several years I'm like free Britney and I'm glad that that did happen but yeah (laughs) but I've never like been a huge fan of her but this cover has always been in my mind yeah okay now no pants Drew (laughs) (laughs) no pants no clothes Drew this is the most nudity for sure she's I mean literally wearing nothing on this lounge chair um there's like red curtains and a red blanket and it's just like sort of her from the side and you can't really see too much but just kind of the shape of her body it's it's gorgeous it's really gorgeous like I don't I feel like this is something that I've appreciated a lot but not enough does that make sense like (laughs) and I know that when we talked about I feel like there was some point when we were comparing the next picture to something from earlier do you remember what I'm talking about like there was something where we were like oh maybe they were trying to yeah what was it so um, the outtakes from S97, where she's wearing that pink lingerie and it like looks so similar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back and find that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll link to it or something, but um, there we go. Okay. So let's get into this picture a little bit. So in this one, again, these are all hard to describe. You just have to look at them, but she's wearing, she's like laying on a bed on her side and looking over her right shoulder, but she's kind of, her body is kind of facing away from the camera. So you get like this cute shot of her in this awesome, like corset underwear thing with like a garter and these really cute, she's wearing like Mary Jane's or I can't really even tell what the shoes are. So cute. They look like Mary Jane's for sure. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's so cute. She's got this like 
I love the look on her face. I know. Like, she ah. totally looks like she's like playing a character of a sultry, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, I agree. And this is kind of how she's like described when she gets to dress up, you know, play like play dress up. And she's totally playing dress up and just. Yeah, she doesn't think she's role. sexy. She's just playing a character. <laughs> yep, exactly. And these next ones, I'll let oh you introduce God. them, but I yeah. know you and I both love these. They're probably my favorite from the magazine. It's yeah. hard to say, but so we get these four. The, it's a full page with the four pictures. Um, They're black and white or kind of uh. Sepia, yeah. Thank you. And she's in a kitchen, and there's like one where she's just making a silly face, and one where she's taking off her little the top of this little nightgown, and then another one where she's pouring milk on her back, which sounds weird, but it's gorgeous. Yes. And then another one where she's laughing, holding the milk over her chest. Yes. And we get more tattoos, and they're just so playful and sexy and fun. <laughs> I love them. And I don't think I mentioned, but the first two pictures I described are full page. And then these four pictures take up one page as a grouping. Yeah. And Rolling Stone is big. <laughs> yes. And I love that they did that. So each yeah. of them is a quarter page in size. Um, I noted because I, I think it must be because of the kissy face one, but they kind of reminded me of the bizarre 96 grouping of pictures that sort of look like a photo booth. Yeah. And I, th I think it is the expression, but it's like the, the like lack of color, like they're both sort of sepia-ish. There's something like playful, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a lot of fun, but I was like, why did they remind me? And then as soon as I pulled it up, I was like, oh, the kissy face is almost exactly the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never noticed that. I love it's it. So fun. And then, um, <laughs> Yeah, these are also top, like top, top, lovey, lovey for me. Yeah, I know. So good. Okay, so then we get yet another full page of Drew standing like with one knee on a, looks like on a bed and she's got her arms above her head and a really lacy top that's basically see-through. I don't know <laughs> if you can see her nipples or not, but again, it's one of those things where like this, this almost looks like it belongs in Maxim, but I mean that in like, the best way not like <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> do you know what i mean the most overtly sexy yes, to me mm -hmm. absolutely and the the shirt is basically coming off of her it's beautiful like absolutely gorgeous there is an, another version of it but the only thing that's in the magazine is just a crop of her face earlier in the issue but again, the same setup. Gosh, I'm just looking at how cool it is, like the background of the room. I know. We're so <sighs> lucky that this one appeared somewhere in full form because there are no outtakes from this photo shoot that we have ever seen, which sucks. Sucks. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Oh Mark, God. just, you can, you can give any of these to us. We'll, we'll um, take good care of them. Yeah. We'll cherish them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, then we get to the next full page. I think this is another one of our shared favorites. Yes. And I don't even know why. It's hard to describe why. So Drew's like standing outside by this kind of wood shed is how mm -hmm. I always envisioned it. Yep. And she's wearing this black mask over her eyes. Like and... kind of like a Zorro style Yeah, mask. like a Zorro style. Thank you. And she's topless, but she's covering herself with her hands. And she's just wearing like little black shorts and black knee highs. And yep. just standing there looking like mysterious and awesome <laughs> yes it's so rad 
earlier I was kind of, when I was thinking about those shots from Bazaar, I had made a note, like, is it like a, the vague gothiness? But I realized right. that vague gothiness comes from this picture. This one. I know. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. Uh -huh. um, I'm obsessed. Like, it's such a good shot. Just on, this on its own, if all that was like, okay, I shouldn't say that. I was gonna say if all that was ever printed from the shoot was this one, I'd be happy, but we wouldn't, it's so much different than the other ones Yeah, that it's like, you could easily be like, what is this from if we'd never seen it before? It's true. Oh my God. It's yeah. so cute. And then one of the last shots that's printed that's original for the issue, there are some other little shots, is um, another quarter page, super cute shot where she's wearing the same outfit as the pouring the milk on her back pictures. And it's printed with this sort of faux amber type casing, which is really cool. And I love that picture. I know. It looks like a, there's like laundry hanging around her maybe. Yeah. Uh, and she's got her hand on her hip. She's just being cute. <laughs> I feel like that one just looks like Drew being Drew. Yeah, I feel I like agree. there's something about it that feels almost like more candid. Yeah, you know, like and non-character. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of go through here was there's there are two shots printed of her as a kid where she's wearing like a vintage outfit, and you looked up a little bit of details about them. Yeah, so I don't, I have no recollection if we had ever seen these before they were printed in Rolling Stone. So they were done by a photographer named Lord Snowden, and he was like actually part of the royal family, <laughs> randomly. I know, but um, my thought based on the way she looks and that he is who he was, I'm guessing these were probably done when she was in England doing promo for ET in 1982. I was just going to say that. Yeah. So that's my guess, but I don't remember if they were ever printed anywhere else. I yeah. truly don't know, which is crazy, but they're really cool. They definitely fit in the same like old timey Western uh, vibe as yes. the other photos. So it's really fun that they pulled these and included them. Yeah. They're really neat. Howdy, Howdy Droobies! We want to tell you about our sponsor, Positive Medium. We've actually been clients of theirs for at least 10 years, and they take care of all of our website needs for thejerseum.com. They offer custom web design and professional coding, search engine optimization, marketing, and hosting. So we've been hosted by them, but we've also been able to take advantage of a lot of their expertise in these other areas as well. Absolutely. So customer service is the biggest draw for us with this company. They have saved our site literally from obliteration quite a yep. few times, but then they also help us with minor issues in just like literally a matter of minutes. So if we have like a coding question or just like something on the back end we can't figure out, we reach out to them and we get an answer back and the issue is solved within moments. We're so excited that Positive Medium is allowing us to offer our listeners 25% off managed WordPress hosting plans using our promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, of course. Um, and if you want to take advantage of this, visit positivemedium.com. We really, really vouch for these people. They've been so great to us and will continue to be great to us, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, they're great by offering this to our listeners. So take advantage. Again, it's promo code DREW, of course. <laughs> Okay, so are we ready to get into this really incredible article? I hope I hope we're ready. This is a long one, you guys. This is long <laughs> and it's jam-packed with info. So I hope we're ready and I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm like, maybe listen to this on 1.5 speed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we might already talk too fast for some people. I know, that's true. 
<laughs> well, let's just say that this article was written by Chris Heath. Mm-hmm. And Chris also did Details 1993, which I was reminded is a great one. And we will put on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my beloved Us 1997, which we covered in episode 15. Yes. And he does reference in the article that they're like basically friends that they've known each other for a long time so okay cool we tried to find him he has no online presence Chris if you're out there and want to chat with us we would love that (laughs) that would be really cool um I just thought it was fun to talk about the title I mean yeah go look this up but the title which has like little pieces throughout later in the article but here's the main one the naughty adventures of Miss Drew Barrymore in which our heroine risks life, limb, and embarrassment by falling naked down a mountainside, skydiving at 13,000 feet, and swimming with sharks in pursuit of true love. They're good. <laughs> There's like kind of this fun format to the whole article where it's like, different little and now in which Ms. B is going to do this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I didn't put those in the notes, but it's really cute. We did talk about these titles kind of follow the theme, like the visual theme. They're Mm -hmm. doing this kind of like old world speak. Yeah. (laughs) It's really fun. And we will have the transcript of the entire article that I slaved over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you guys can read in full, but let's get to uh, the summaries. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. um, Do you want to start? Sure. So the article starts with talking about how Drew spent New Year's Eve 2000. So going from 99 to 2000, Mm -hmm. um, she spent it in Hawaii with friends. She jumped off 25 and 50 foot waterfalls. And she was basically trying to prepare for being the tough, cool and brave Dylan in Charlie's Angels. Which is so cool. I Mm -hmm. mean, would you ever jump off a waterfall? (laughs) No, that is not me at all. (laughs) I am not a daredevil. I'm not a thrill seeker. I want my feet on the ground. (laughs) I think I'm not as cool as Drew. Yeah, you would. You're cool. (laughs) okay and then the writer summarizes 1999 in an interesting way because we think i just want to say we we think of drew's 1999 as like such a huge like shift in her career Mm -hmm. um but the writer talks about 1999 in these other kind of contexts in her relationship with luke unraveling and then the early and difficult stages of producing charlie's angels and then there was a really beautiful line um it said She had also been trying to come to terms with a few half-buried parts of herself she may have ignored in the determined Barrymore rush to be a joyful adult. Which I thought was just beautifully, beautifully written. Yeah, I love that. So then the article describes how Drew and her friends wrote down resolutions for New Year's on slips of paper that they then Mm -hmm. burned, and then they buried the ashes in the sand in Hawaii, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And Drew shared hers. It says... I will not fear anymore. I will not have the fear that is stopping me from living. So Mm -hmm. that sort of like goes along with her jumping off waterfalls. and Absolutely. Where her life is about to go. It's going to go a lot. It's going to happen. And I I love, I love that. I love what she wrote. Just feels very appropriate. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Drew talks a little bit about her impressions of the original Angels from the 70s TV show and her love for Jacqueline Smith, which was Kelly, her character Kelly. And I just thought it would be fun to mention that Jacqueline Smith made a cameo in Full Throttle. Yeah, she's the only original Angel, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So Drew must have probably been like, I loved you so much, you know, and (laughs) did her usual. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they talk about Drew and Nan finding the project and how they the script completely changed. It was originally this weird futuristic tale about cloning supermodels. And then they talk briefly about their decision to not have any guns in Charlie's Angels. And that was partially because of Drew's reaction to school shootings, which feels very um, 
That feels like too modern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when I read it, I was like, ooh. I know, same. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I was like, oh, that's like, I was still in high school at this point and Columbine was just a year before this. So yeah. one of like the first ones that I really think of. And then there's a really fun description that Drew has of her character, Dylan. <laughs> so Part good. of it I didn't understand, so I had to look it up. So it says she was the Wendy O of the Angels, completely badass, like a Hesher, an absolute rock and roll reform schoolgirl Hesher. A Hesher is like rock and roll rush tank top. If I had a ball sack, it would be squeezed severely tightly in one side of my jeans kind of show. Cheap motel <laughs> jeans, as they call them. You know, no ballroom. <laughs> wow, is that a truism? And like, I woo. didn't even like mark it as a truism, but absolutely. Oh, totally. It is. I love it. The part that I didn't get was the Wendy O. I don't know if you knew who that was. I didn't. She was a singer of a punk band called The Plasmatics. And when I looked up The Plasmatics, I was like, oh, I actually organized some punk photographs of them from the 70s. Oh. At the um, the Los Angeles Public Library. Oh, how funny. So I was like, oh, I totally know who this is. And I've seen her performing photos. So Amazing. I just had to look it up, but that was exciting. Yeah, that's cool. She also talks about why she loved playing Dylan so much. Mm -hmm. She said that she's just had played so many nice girls recently, which mm -hmm. I always kind of like, I remember when it came out, I was sort of like, oh, why didn't, why wasn't she Natalie? But like, when she says this, that makes sense to me. Like, yeah, she just absolutely. Done a lot of those kind of roles. Yeah. And then a direct quote from Drew. I really wanted to play someone who had a fucking drink, loved to have kind of a wild night and also just had balls of steel, would jump <laughs> off a fucking 50 foot building and not question that she wasn't going to make it okay because it wasn't about making it okay. That was a given. I wanted to play a little bit of a badass. I wanted to play someone who was unashamed and was in touch with her sexuality and in touch with her bravery. <laughs> so great. I know. And I could see like coming off of Josie Grossy. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. But it's also this part. It's like someone who had a fucking drink. It's like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the Drew now might be like, okay, didn't have to be that part, but everything else applies. <laughs> right. You know? And then this part, she starts to talk about Tom and her first kind of encounters with Tom. Um, she had arranged to meet him to discuss a role in Charlie's Angels, but she admits that she wanted to date him. And she said, yes, I thought if I could just go on a date with this person, I'd be so happy. His sense of humor and his cuteness. He was cute. <laughs> and then she calls herself a little stalker-ish because she really wanted him to ask her out. But he didn't actually do that till after they started filming, which I actually really love and respect that that's kind of and how I it went. And I think that tracks with what he has reported in his book. Okay. If you guys want to listen to our, a lot of this is going to correlate to our year in review 2000 yep. episode, but yes. yeah, I'm pretty sure that was kind of what he said happened to. Yes. Um, she did say that on their first date, he offered her a chocolate truffle and she hates chocolate. <laughs> and here's a great truism. She said, I know it's rich and pure and beautiful, but it just tastes like caca. It's like stomping muddy combat boots that have been through mud and shit piles on my palate and taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> but she wanted to impress him. So she ate it anyway. And then she said, convulsing literally grabbing onto walls dry heaving <laughs> she's like very a lot of really big statements in this yes big statements and like descript i mean drew perfect jurisms it's yep. amazing okay so then she kind of goes on there's a lot of gushing about tom i didn't want to put it all in here because obviously that was drew then and <laughs> some of the things are fun one of the parts she said, I feel like I go to sleep laughing and wake up laughing, which sounds like something that she would absolutely want now, you totally. know, so I think of absolutely. like, like still be something that would check a box. Um, and then she said, 
I believe this man loves me. And for me to say that is huge because I don't believe I'm capable of being loved. Ouch, that one hurt me. Yeah, I know. I But I understand that. And I think she's said similar sentiments in previous articles. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're learning, like, or being reminded just how low self-esteem this I wonderful know. person it does has. come up too often. Yes. Okay, so she talks about getting along really well with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu while they're on set. She said, we just love each other. It's so fucking funny. It's like, I finally know what it's like to have sisters. It's like, I finally get it. <laughs> and she said, we're constantly laughing and pawing and humping each other and giggling and telling dirty jokes and being crass and talking about balls and like eating off each other's plates and stuffing our faces and talking about boys and helping each other through personal problems. <laughs> I love that whole thing. Yeah. So um, this I, when I, had, I had a question about. So it said they're nicknames for each other, which I kind of remember, but not in this full form. Yeah, same. <laughs> Pussy Lou, Pussy Drew, and Pussy Poo. <laughs> and the only one I remember is that Cameron calls Drew Poo, but I feel like, I'm sorry, that Drew calls Cameron Poo, but doesn't Cameron also call Drew Poo? Yeah, I think these must have morphed into just now they're Poo. I know that um, Drew's daughters call Cameron Auntie Poo. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, how cute. <laughs> So that's really fun. Really cute. Um, and speaking of Cameron, she's often quoted as saying, Drew is exactly the way she is now, full of life when she met her as a teenager. Which I loved, like that she's like, she's the same person. Yeah. They have a story about Drew standing up for Cameron to some boys who were being rude to her when they were teenagers. And Cameron said that she thought, wow, that's a cool girl. That's a girl's girl. Love it. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay, taking a turn, though, this is kind of upsetting. So yeah, the author recounts the story from Little Girl Lost about Drew's dad doing kung fu around her as a kid and how he like kept hitting her and kicking her and then mm -hmm. stuck her hand in a candle flame to show her what real pain was. Yeah. The author, Chris Heath, asks Drew if she ever thought about her dad when she was doing the kung fu training. And she jokes and says maybe about picturing his head on a punching bag. <laughs> And then she's like, never mind, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I know. And then she talks about, like, kind of going on about physicality. She talks about her newfound love of yoga. And then we have this lovely Druism. <laughs> you know me. I'm half Corona Marlboro shit toilet mouth girl. And then there's also this, like, hippy dippy. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the author asks her if it's like a yin yang banging together. And she's like, <laughs> like two balls in a sack she's very balls <laughs> obsessed in this article yes. <laughs> yes but I think it's like I just forgot that there were times when she was still like this I know. like in 2000 yeah same you know? like this like, feels like mid 90s kind of talk absolutely I love it I love that like while we've been fans she was like talking the same way as she was in the 90s yep. <laughs> um they go into how she went skydiving with Cameron and Tom and Jared Leto who was dating Cameron <laughs> Um, Tom said he felt peer pressured to follow suit. And this is great. We've got to just quote this whole thing. This is Drew recounting her hilarious inner dialogue during the free fall. She said, I'm breathing. I'm Zen. I'm breathing. I'm Zen. Can I have a heart attack from doing this? I'm breathing. I'm breathing. Wow. This is really what I'm thinking about on this fall is my breathing. That's it. There's no other thoughts coming to me besides maybe a moment's thought about a heart attack and a lot of breathing. Wow, the earth really does look beautiful from this angle. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm breathing. I'm breathing. I wonder when the shoot's going to open. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. <laughs> and then you take this next part. Okay. And then the shoot opened and she was floating and her thoughts kind of continue. Oh my God, 
this is exactly what my dreams are like. I'm actually living out the subconscious state of my dreams in the conscious world. I can fly. I thought I could do this and I can. This is so amazing. There's nothing around me. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. And you know what's so great is that we have talked in another episode about her kind of thoughts about this skydiving. Yes. We have a reel about it. So if you guys want to go you know, go back on the, how do you do your Instagram kind of near That's the beginning, right. but there's a real, yeah. with some photos and sort of more of her dialogue. So I love that we got so much of this. <laughs> yes. The one thing that I remember her saying later was about the tongue feeling like sandpaper. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess after they went skydiving, they all went to see road trip Tom's movie at the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she wanted to make out with Tom during it. So they went and found a closet at the movie theater. <laughs> theater yep and they got caught by some kids who wanted to talk to tom so tom just came out and started like dancing with a broom or something (laughs) and then uh they went to a party at crispin glover's house and drew describes she felt very calm yeah it was like a whole it was such a long description of this whole like making out in the thing it was really cute i know the next thing in the article they it seems like they kind of time jump a little bit so chris heath the author of the article goes on vacation with Cameron and Drew. And uh, there was a really funny quote pretty quickly into this section where Drew talks about getting a bikini wax during her lunch break <laughs> on the photo shoot. And she has this hilarious quote. I know this is a favorite of yeah. yours. I thought about everyone else on the trip and how much more considerate it would be for them so they wouldn't have to look at my unruly bush. <laughs> <laughs> They're nice pubes and I feel kind of sacrilegious removing them. And I just thought, you know, they should remain private under my bikini rather than acting like they're in line to get into a rave, but they're never really getting in. I mean, that might be my favorite. <laughs> Only Drew so would good. describe her bikini line as a somebody trying to get into a rave. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so good. So they went to Bora Bora and Drew had torn out a photo of a hotel there from a magazine years ago. Hey, there's a tear sheet from a magazine. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. That's so cool. And she thought one day when I feel like I've done enough work and I deserve to go here, I will. So that's what she did. Awesome. And I've done enough work. I know. How could she possibly determine? probably doesn't feel like she's done enough work, but okay. True. (laughs) Yeah, very true. And then they went and fed fish off the dock at the hotel and Drew was described as diving into the water fully in her clothes. Of course. Then the, yes, of course. Then the next day, Drew and Chris Heath went scuba diving. And I couldn't tell if Tom was part of that or not. It was confusing. He might've shown up by that point, but anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's specifically said, but this is the quote about scuba diving. All I keep thinking of is the most peaceful, calm thoughts. All my life, when I've seen fish, I've wondered what it's like to be them. And all of a sudden, I felt like this great Piscean desire that I've had was finally coming true. It was quiet and peaceful and silent. I've been sort of in love lately with those times where you're not allowed to speak to anyone and no one can speak to you. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool, even though I'm like, what other situations? I know. Oh my gosh, (laughs) church? (laughs) Yeah. She talks a lot about being afraid in 1999. And Mm -hmm. some of the things that she had been afraid of were germs and food and love and flying and my morality and earth and its stability and people and where we were headed and that she had started to become a bit of a loner, which is pretty interesting. So interesting. But also when I looked at this, um, I was like, this feels like post-2020, how everyone kind of felt. Yeah. Oh my God. Good point. Wow. That's yeah. Fascinating. So strange to imagine. And then she talks about the differences between... Tom and herself. And she said, 
I'm so fucking wanting to be this spiritual earthy in the clouds under the sea Pisces hippie freak and he's very calm and collected. We're pretty different when it comes to spirituality. He's much more grounded. Mine is more in the air. I like that. Yeah, me too. It's also interesting when she's talked about him as calm and collected and his like his TV persona you're was like Tom Green. <laughs> yeah. You're like, are you sure? So she talks about how she turned 25 that year, which is like, yep. whoa, that's a weird reminder that she was that young. Totally. And that Jade sent her a book called Conversations with God for her birthday, which Drew said affected her deeply, especially there was a chapter on relationships. Mm-hmm. And she says that she'd only seen her mom three times since she was 16 over the course of nine years. Crazy. But she felt like she might be ready to see her again. She said when they finally talked recently, Drew had confronted Jade about putting up the movie memorabilia and baby stuff of yep. Drew's for auction. And because mm-hmm. that one really bothered her. And Jade claimed that it was for the Gilder Radner's cancer charity. So. I didn't remember that note at all. Did you? Um, yeah, we... Whenever we mentioned this previously, we did say like that okay. it was for charity, but that's okay. Yeah. And then okay. they talked again Mother's Day weekend, which we talked about this recently too, because it was right after Jade was arrested for gun possession and illegal flyer posting. <laughs> we must have yep. talked about that in our year 2000. Probably, yeah. probably. But this is kind of like it gives some facts of stuff we've talked about a little bit before. Yeah, it proves us right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then the author had a very astute observation about Jade um, saying that mm. she always comes off as someone who can't bear that you're famous and she isn't. Oof. And then, you know, and then Drew said, yeah, in fact, I'm almost positive that's true. And I don't know her well enough to say it's not true. I don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> And then she said, um, she was, she felt like it was time for a change. And then she said, you know what? I'm 25. I don't care what people think. If it means not letting a creature out there who gave me my life suffer in my avoidance of her because I was embarrassed, it was killing me to think that this person might go and sit in a movie theater and try and get into touch with the person that she birthed out of her body. That was the most empty and devastating thought that I had in my whole life. The fact that on Mother's Day or my birthday, she would think I created this human being and that human being won't speak to me. I can't do that anymore. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. That's really intense, but it also is like, that's the only way that she felt like she she had to like, okay, this person might not be the best for me, but they did give birth to me. Yeah. And I feel like she might've said this almost exact same thing um, the last time she was on Howard Stern or one of the ah. last times. I don't know. It's very familiar to me that she yeah. still kind of has that like feeling about Jade. Yeah. She tells a story about almost drowning in Hawaii when she had gone with David and Jan Crosby one year for Christmas. I didn't remember this. Me neither. And it had caused her to fear the ocean. And um, so they're about to scuba dive with sharks, but she found herself unafraid. And she yep. said, as the sharks moved, she imagined it all happening to the soundtrack of some 70s disco song. <laughs> I thought I was in some weird disco rave with all the sharks and they all seemed like they were dancing. <laughs> so she did get into the rave. I know. I, I totally <laughs> thought the same thing. <laughs> she got the pubes removed and they let her in. <laughs> There's a long part of the article where they talk about um, Bill Murray on set and all the drama. And basically they're like, it wasn't a big deal. Like the the tabloids portrayed it there was some interesting stuff about like specifically lucy Liu and bill murray yeah bumping heads and drew's like it was like a half an hour and then we came back and we all took a deep breath and we were fine and it's crazy it's still being discussed like lucy was asked about this very recently (laughs) like oh my god
So then they're going to go on this tiny plane ride and Drew's like freaking out. So she kind of freaks out a few times in this article, which I found interesting because her whole theme was like not to be scared anymore. Yeah, good point. But Tom calms her down by making funny noises and licking her nose. And pretty (laughs) soon she was cracking up too much to be scared. I really liked that. Yeah, that was really sweet. They went on a little while about it, but it was like, this is lovely. So then Tom and Drew and the author, Chris, they go to karaoke and Drew sings Gold Dust Woman. Love it. Yeah. And then requests a Springsteen song. And I wish I'd written down what quote it was that she said she wanted to sing out, but it was something really funny. There's this cute little sequence where Drew asks this French girl for a cigarette and refuses and sends something like, it'd be cooler if you got your own pack. And then when when Drew does get her own pack, they end up exchanging cigarettes and then the author describes this, which I love. I love this. It's typical of Drew that she massages the initial awkwardness into friendliness. Within a few minutes, the two of them are showing each other ballet positions. <laughs> That's so true about her, right? Yep, absolutely. It's sort of like uh, what Jonathan Van Meter said about how she brings you into her bubble. Yes. So fun. Yeah. Okay, so we're moving through the year. Like this, Chris Heath really spends a whole year sort of with Drew, it feels like. Yep, yep. So Tom and Drew are spending autumn apart because Tom is shooting Freddie Got Fingered and Drew is shooting Riding in Cars with Boys. And Mm -hmm. Tom sends flowers to her often and Drew is sending him little care packages. So Mm -hmm. they were keeping the long distance going. It was really cute. Drew said that she, I love this little part, she Mm -hmm. challenged herself to find a different tree to photograph every day. And she's in New York at this point. So she said, they give you a real challenge in Manhattan of finding exquisite trees. But in all the craziness that's going on, it's weirdly enough been extremely therapeutic. It makes you go stop with your fucking day for a second. It's a really good like goal. Go find a different tree to photograph every day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she, the, as we mentioned before, this is where she discusses the photos that had been done for this feature. Yes. So she says, I'm so into this rawness. Embarrass yourself. Stop hiding behind everything. Stop hiding behind your clothes and this image you want to project of yourself and all this fucking confined. I want people to think in a certain way. Risk. Dare to embarrass yourself. Unless I'm truly myself, then I feel like a fake. There's something kind of liberating about not pretending. This is what I actually look like. Fun. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, this, I, I just keep going like, yes, yes, yes. Totally. And then like, you know, and feeling, I actually was smiling through that whole thing because yeah. it's so like real. There's this quote that I like asked you about and neither of us got it. So then she says, I feel like Andy Warhol's chest. Yeah, no idea. Did he maybe like keep his shirts open a lot? And it, so that's what she means, like on display? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, we can keep speculating. Send in your ideas. <laughs> Okay, quick editor's note. He wore a lot of turtlenecks, so it can't be that. Help. Back to the episode. And then the author describes the place where Drew's staying in New York, and I loved this part. I'm sure you did too. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it was like, there wasn't a lot, but enough little nuggets, including a bulletin board with phone numbers and phrases, including these phrases. Don't cry wolf. Mm. (laughs) Men have to have something they are proud of. And I like this one. Normal is what we strive to be, but never feel we are. Yeah. And I just made a note. I was hoping they're like all in her handwriting because that's what I'm picturing. Uh, Gorgeous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's a copy of the Writing Cards with Boys paperback that is described as highly annotated with her scribbles. Of course. And she's, I know. And she's also wearing a necklace that says Beverly, the character's name, 
yeah, when, when that's being described. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. There's also a yellow legal pad with this written. Ugh, imagine seeing this. Okay. God. So she said, I'm home taking naked pictures of myself in a mirror. It's funny because <laughs> we just discussed that as well. Okay. Um, Pentax K1000 with TMAX 3200. I love photography. I usually believe in everything. Animism, everything has a soul that is so vast and unspecific right now. I am also losing faith in myself. My soul wanders around. I'm reading a letter from Tom. It is the most perfect letter. He speaks of the future and is giving as always, not afraid to make plans. I'm not afraid to feel like I belong with someone. I always wanted to know what it would feel like to believe that there was this permanence, perennial, proverbial, a chance that this person wasn't going to leave. Mm. (laughs) Maybe I would make it easy for them to stay. That when you say goodbye, it may not be the last time you would see them, which made me sad and thinking of like how that sort of started with the ET set where she's like, oh, now I have to say goodbye to all these people. Absolutely. That's like when when she's describing this permanence, I'm like... It's always been yeah. temporary but i love this whole thing like i just love like I, like again like picturing it in her writing mm-hmm. all of that like oh my god and in this part of the article drew like seems really frustrated yeah well i feel like she was just in a weird headspace playing this character yes and she kind of coming up she talks about that even more oh yeah you're right <laughs> um she's like ah, oh, that's what i feel like right now I'm like this weird, not a cynic, but someone will say something beautiful or meaningful and I'll be like, yeah, whatever. And then she puts on um, Don't Think Twice by Bob Dylan, which immediately when I read that, I started playing the song. Great song. And then she said, this is my favorite Bob Dylan song. It just makes me think of young, perfect love. Even though the song is ironically about leaving someone, though I never think of that. I think it's the song that Lily Taylor and River Phoenix make love to in Dogfight. I always picture them when I hear it again about Tom and talking about how she doesn't think she's capable of being loved. She said that probably comes from the stereotypical bullshit of my father wanted nothing to do with me and my mother kind of having odd intentions and feeling like I didn't really have anybody growing up. <sighs> Sad. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is she's just so, I think I've said this on a previous thing we we're talking about, but like very lucid, like very like, this is, this is it. This yeah. is how, why I feel about this and how I feel like, like why I feel this way. It's interesting. She talks about losing herself in her character, Beverly, for writing Cars with Boys. Yep. And then um, she said that she hasn't recently talked to her mom, even though she's in New York. So, like, I think I mentioned there was a time jump from the previous conversation about her mom, and now she's in New York. But Yeah, and then she describes this monkey in the cage thing that her dad used to say. Mm -hmm. The mad monkey in the cage. Like, your brain is a cage with metal bars, and there's a mad monkey running around inside of it, screaming and screeching and jumping up on the bars and rattling them. And then sometimes just pacing the cage inside. He says it all the time. He also talks about the flickering Buddha in the corner of the room. (laughs) Yeah, this, I feel like I've heard her talk about the monkey in the cage on some other show or something. I think so too. It's, it's familiar. Yeah. So this part, she starts talking about how she does sometimes talk to her dad. She helps him with his legal problems. She helped him find a place to stay where he can be looked after, which I feel like is a euphemism for like a home, right? Yeah, maybe. And then there was this whole sequence um, that I really liked. It's kind of like questions and answers between the author and Drew. It says, when I ask if he seems lucid when he says things about mad monkeys and flickering Buddhas, she simply says, I can't tell his lucid states from his unlucid states. It's all sort of amalgamated together. And then he asks, when I ask how he treats her these days, she says, fine, I think he has to be selfish right now because he's focused on what his brain is going through. 
which is, that's just feels like a justification. Selfish yeah. Her entire life, but okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he says, um, when I ask what his brain is going through, she says, I don't know, probably flashes from everything in his life, all being connected by a mad orchestrator that yells out weird things over the opera. I think in every family, everyone probably sits in their head and just goes a little crazy every once in a while. My dad just happens to do it all the time. Sometimes I have a sense of humor about it. Sometimes I don't. I just felt like it was all very real. Great descriptions. Yeah. Yeah, totally. She talks about saving a bug (laughs) from drowning in the toilet. And here's a great Jerusalem. She said, if I'd flushed or peed, it would have gotten a Niagara Falls style death. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't kill bugs. Uh, One time she killed a cockroach and it scarred her for life. She killed it with bug spray and she's never killed a cockroach since she felt like shit. And then he asks, (laughs) well, then why did you have bug spray if you don't kill bugs? (laughs) it was really funny how confrontational it was like uh (laughs) and she says I got rid of it I don't even remember purchasing it I'll tell you now I do not have bug spray ever ever I see bug spray and it looks like liquid murder to me (laughs) I saw this commercial for this spray and it says it kills dandelions why the fuck would you want to kill a dandelion I love that a dandelion and a cockroach are equal in her mind. <laughs> Why the fuck would you want to kill a dandelion? It's like the quote of the article. I love it. It's so good. I'm sorry I put that whole thing in there, but I just had to. It's really good. So this this is where I feel like the whole, like, really Beverly, the character is, like, getting to her personal life. Mm-hmm. So so Chris Heath, the author, and Drew have a little spat. And Drew admits that it was the influence of the character Beverly. Like, she basically says... You met, you Beverly. met Beverly, yeah. Yep. And then she said she had spent most of the day crying on camera and between takes listening to Led Zeppelin's Tangerine over and over again. And I have to say, I totally remember downloading on Napster, people. That's how long ago this was. If you even know what Napster is, uh, I downloaded <laughs> song. this song after amazing. reading this article. Yeah, it's a great one. So amazing. So she also, like, kind of speaking of preparing for Beverly and being Beverly, that she wasn't watching TV or talking on the phone, except to Tom. She was only listening to music from the era. So she was doing, like, the method kind of Very thing. Very similar to how she did for Great Gardens. Yes. And that's, like, part... I'm going to go on a tangent. I know I always complain about writing in Cars with Boys. But that's yeah. part of what frustrates me is that she worked so hard on it. And then there was so much of it that just came out so like cheesy and hokey and yes the serious work she did I don't feel like (sighs) I think that's Penny Marshall's style is that weird like the music is Uh, too like yeah I think honestly that's Penny Marshall brought it brought out good stuff and then made weird decisions yeah like I feel like they've been just a straightforward drama with like how Drew was so committed like the dramatic parts of that movie I like so much more than the like I'm being goofy you know Anyway, yeah, I totally see what you mean. Save that for another episode. Yeah, maybe we'll do writing cars with boys. We'll just be bitching about the (laughs) soundtrack the whole time. Um, So she said, um, this is kind of her talking about like how she's been living. She said, I don't smile all day. And I can't tell you what a weird space to live in that is. On one level, it's quite liberating to look around and think in your head, oh, fuck you, fuck off, you fucking idiot, fuck you. Because all I ever look around and say, oh, there's daisies and there's butterflies. And by the way, she totally says something almost identical to this in diary do you remember that yes like I think I do like how she's not smiling and normally she's like flowers and daisies and butterflies and now yes "Hmm." I like how you said it exactly the way she says (laughs) in diary too and then I like this next part's kind of continuing she said we all try to pretend 
that were so fucking good. And I've opened up a serious box inside of myself for this character. And I have anger and pain and sadness and confusion and regret. I have my whole life said that I didn't regret anything that ever happened to me. And that's horseshit. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I fucking do regret the things I've done. Mm. And then the author asks what she regrets. And there was a long pause. And she said, being stupid and not knowing better, like bad choices I've made in relationships, the way I've behaved to people, not taking care of myself. Interesting. I would love to know more specifically. Me too. <laughs> I mean, we kind of know that like she talks about like some of her wedding kind of stuff as yeah. being things, but I don't know what she's thinking of at this moment. Keith goes back to that New Year's resolution of her not having fear that stops her mm-hmm. from living. And he says during the Dylan living skydiving shark scuba first half of the year, she was pretty good at banishing the fear from her life. And now she's somewhere else and she's gone there voluntarily. And mm-hmm. she says now it's about being enveloped in nothing but the fear. Yep. And then this next thing, I always kind of have thoughts like this. So I like that this was like relatable expressed. (laughs) Yes. So this is just a full kind of quote from the article. It says, Drew's been thinking about time and effort. We all spend just holding it together. And then Drew said, I'm convinced we all want to burst out laughing or crying most of the time. I tell her that we're not supposed to confess that because it would blow the whole game. And then she said, I want not only to say it, I want to scream it out. I want to put it on billboards. <laughs> like she's just like, people be real. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it. So then the article mentions about how she and Tom became engaged. That had happened a few months earlier. Mm-hmm. And she said that he proposed on this part of the ocean that they love very much. Her quote was where we can become beige M&Ms. And we were both like, what? <laughs> I'm guessing she means that they could get tan. I just don't know why it has anything to do with chocolate. Like, (laughs) I I like it though. Yeah. We discussed their wedding in great detail in our weddings episode, number 26 again. Yep. I think we didn't really touch on the engagement in that episode, but we did in our year in review 2000. So if you guys want more of that, but Drew describes the engagement as very traditional. She says, when he asked me, I felt physically out of body. Literally, I seriously thought, what are the thoughts in my head? What are the true thoughts? Whether I ever admit them to anyone or not, I need to know what I'm really thinking. And so come, I invite you true thoughts. (laughs) And she said she didn't think one thing that wasn't positive. She didn't think anything. All she thought was yes. It's just cute. Mm -hmm. The all this inner monologue in this article is really fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This was kind of cute. It was just like, I'm like, okay. Um, So Lucy and Cameron were the first to hear about the engagement that evening at dinner. But she makes them like wait to like notice the ring, which I was like, oh, God. And I feel like I was trying to figure out if this restaurant gathering was the one where there's pictures of Drew, like the first time she was pictured with a ring leaving a restaurant. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's no way of knowing, but we'll include the photos just in case. (laughs) Yes, they're from, hold on, I wanted to get the name of the restaurant, like Sunset Marquee. Oh, okay. On July 14th that year. So we're, we were just, I was wondering, because that was the first time like tabloids had pictures yeah. of her ring. There was like a and zoom in picture yes. of it and everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then we're wrapping up. So the day after they got engaged, they went to Magic Mountain. Mm-hmm. And she said, I was so happy when I woke up that I felt like the only thing that could catch up with my speeding happiness was a roller coaster. How cool <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah, I love it. So I like that this, like the author says, Drew says this as only she would. He understood there are Drewisms. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah. And so she said, the velocity of my soul that was surging forward with perfection and contentedness and excitedness. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's and just really lovely. I mean, 
it kind of bums me out that that's where the article ends because it's like on this really high note about her relationship <laughs> and then we all know how it turned out but uh but I feel like still. this article is still lovely in in like like I said like how she's so like kind of decisive she feels like she's figuring herself out yeah I don't know like it's it's really lovely having some of these like things written out in her voice like yeah. there are so many quotes from her so many quotes that like we had to include too because yes they're so, yes again there are things that Drew says as only she would <laughs> yes and and believe it or not like I cut some stuff down so it's worth reading the whole thing oh yeah it's, <laughs> it's a great one it's a long article but you guys definitely go revisit it like we were both like surprised by how good it was and how long yes. it was and how much was in there we were both like what how do we forget about this turns out it was a treasure trove <laughs> yeah it absolutely was <laughs> treasure treasure <laughs> oh man thanks for sitting with us through this you guys we hope it was a fun trip down memory lane for you too I hope yes. that there was like the same sort of thing where I was like oh yeah as I was reading it mm -hmm. you know I hope people felt that way as well yeah. Or maybe they weren't familiar with this article at all. And now you just learned so much about where Drew is at at 25. Or you don't remember and it feels new. Yeah, like for you. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so, wow. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Thanks for your patience with uh, how we're releasing episodes right now. We're doing our best to keep the content coming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know give us a little payback for everything we're doing for you. You get on over to Apple podcasts and you leave us a rating and a review. And then I will call you out as being the coolest person in the world on our mm -hmm. next episode. Yep. Um, and then go follow us on Instagram. We have the podcast account at how do you drew pod. And then of course our regular at drew Zium for all kinds of nonstop drew content. Yes, yes, yes. And then visit our website at howdoyoudrew.com, hosted on our OG website, Drewzm, and send listener mail to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. Tell us about your original and new impressions of Rolling Stone 2000. Yeah, tell <laughs> us which photo you love the most. Tell us which anecdote or quote. <laughs> yes, yes. And then um, we'll see you guys next Drewsday. Whenever that Drewsday comes, we'll be we'll there. We'll be there. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. This episode of the How Do You Drew podcast was researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewzm.com with help from our sponsor, Positive Medium. Special thanks to Matt Costa for our lovely theme song, Roxy Prima for our adorable logo, and last but not least, Drew Barrymore and all the Drewbies who love her. We do this for you. Thank, Thank you. you.